Good morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing victory in Jesus. And in my Jesus, I love you. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from Good to have each of you in the Lord's house this morning. I'm going to ask if Brother Dave would open our service all the way down from Lincoln. We have folks this morning from Lincoln, uh, uh, up in uh, Charlotte. We've got folks this morning, Middlebury. Um, you ventured out into the snow. And it's not 
it's not that bad out, right? I mean, we're Vermonters, right. we're New Englanders. Uh, New York, all the way over from the other side of the bridge in New York. Good to have you in the Lord's house this morning. I was talking to Dave back here. Dave worked for years in youth camp ministries and he, he just mentioned to me, he said, you know, when we had groups at these places and a snowstorm came, he said, we couldn't call in and say, it's snowing out here. He said, we got in our cars, you had to be there to make that breakfast for those people and you had to serve them. And that's kind of how John and I and Sandra Joe are when it comes to ministry. If we can, we'll be here. We don't want anybody to risk their lives, but we'll be here. And then those who can come and we worship. Amen? Amen. Thank you for being here. Dave, would you open the service in prayer? Please. Lord, we thank you so much for calling us because you desire to be with us. You desire us to worship you, Lord. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. Christ Jesus, with his blood sacrifice, Lord, for his resurrection is proof of that. Lord, we are here because you love us, we love you. Lord, help us to better understand you through the message today. Take it with us through the week ahead, Lord, and to, um, to share it with those around us who should desperately need a Savior in their lives. Lord, but accept our worship today, Lord, let our songs be acceptable in your sight, let our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Again, praising you in all things, the snow outside, and in this day, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Oh! 
our voices as we sing Hosanna, praise is rising, and then behold our God.
I don't know what you're doing, but I know what you've done. I'm fighting a battle you've already won. I'm fighting a battle you've already won. Bibles with me and turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 15 this morning. We live in a pretty amazing day and age. Uh, I've pastored for a long, long time now and pastored, did associate pastor work in Massachusetts, then pastor work in Kansas, and then pastored here now for 35 plus years. And through the years, when we had snowstorms like this, the vast majority of all the years, uh, we would have a very small, small contingency who would come to church, and that would be it. But nowadays, as we have church, there's a whole nother congregation who's online with us, having church with us. That's the day and age we live in today. And it is surprising to me sometimes, the folks who reach out to me and say, hey, we are worshiping with you. We've never come to the church, but we're worshiping with you. In fact, this week I had a, a, a lady reach out to me and she told me, she said, uh, last several Sundays I have logged on to your church and I'm hoping to come and visit soon. And we emailed back and forth and talked. Um, and I look forward to her coming to worship with us. So there's very little doubt in my mind that this morning, as we sit in this beautiful, snuggly, warm church building, and it's cold and snowy outside, there are people at home sitting in their snuggly, warm houses, <laughs> logging on and worshiping with us this morning. The text I have chosen, Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24, is about the prodigal son. And... Part of what triggered me this morning to do this message, to work on this this week, was the funeral that I did yesterday. I did a funeral for a young man by the name of Tyler who, uh, who died at 25 years old on Christmas Day. Was hit, where he got in a car accident, it was a one car accident, went off the road and he died pretty instantly. But yesterday we did his funeral. We had a very, very full sanctuary. Anytime you have somebody that young who dies, they have such a large peer circle between them and their parents and their grandparents. It's almost always a lot of people. But his mom specifically asked me if I would somewhere in the funeral service have some little piece about the prodigal son because their son had the last couple years really reconnected in some different ways with mom and dad. And he had started to reach out to know the Lord. He had a Bible beside his bed, was reading his Bible every night. They had raised him to know God and um, they felt as though the last couple years was a returning for him. So as I worked on that little tiny piece for the funeral service, I thought to myself, you know, this is such a marvelous text that God has given us. And this text is really not about a dad and a couple brothers. It's really about heaven and God and us. It's a parable to make us step back and, and look at and think about eternal things and our walk with God. And so as I was working down through that, because it was only a little tiny piece of the whole funeral service, I went ahead and made myself an outline that I set off to the side for this morning. And this morning, as we read down through this, I want you to not only hear it talk about dad 
and the two sons and all that went on. But I want you to think about heaven. Our heavenly father and our walk with him and where we are in that walk. So listen as I read to you Luke 15 verses 11 down through 24. And Christ said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted he his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we read this text, as we look into this account that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to us, in a string of accounts that he's using to help people to understand the kingdom of God, help us too to see and understand the connection between our familial lives, our family lives, our connection with you in our heavenly home. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. As we come into this text, there's several things that I find to be really so interesting as we read down through it. And almost every time I read it, there's something new that I note. In fact, this particular time that I was reading down through and studying, when I came to verse 12, something hit me I had never seen before. It's always been there. All the times I've read it and taught and preached it. Yet, it kind of struck me. Look at verse 12. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Almost always when I've read this in the past, I've interpreted the reading as that he gave to that young son his portion. But actually it says he gave to them their portion. So both of the sons got their inheritance. And I found that to be so interesting when you understand that this is a parable about the kingdom. And you read down through the whole text and the difference in the sons and all that transpired. So as we read down through this text, there are several things that jump out to us. First of all, we are immediately reminded there is a loving father in this text. And that's Christ's purpose. He's driving home the point to these folks who are questioning him. He's driving home the point that you have a heavenly father. There is a father who loves you, who adores you, who watches over you, who provides for you, who cares for you. Through the good times and the bad times, that father is there for you. Even when you think he's not, he is. 
And in each of our families, we should recognize that if we are blessed with a loving Father, we are very blessed. Now, we have a Heavenly Father, every one of us, even the lost, have a Creator God Father, for we are all created in His image. We should all, no matter who we are in humanity, step back and honor God, our Father. In our homes, some of us were fortunate enough to be raised by our biological father. We were fortunate enough to have a dad who every day got up and he went to work and he watched over our, our mom, his wife, all the little kids, whether there was one or 100, whatever there were within the household. He got up and he went to work and he provided, even as God provides for you and I. Now, some are not as fortunate. And we certainly live in a day and age today when there are so many children who do not grow up with their biological father. But maybe they have a stepdad. Maybe they have somebody who, who watches over them, mentors them, cares for them in a, can, a unique and interesting way. They just take them under their wing. And we, if we fall into that category, should be grateful for that man who steps in. There are so many young people in, in America who don't even have that role model in their lives. We should be thankful for that father figure who steps into our lives and tries to have a positive impact on our lives. So when we start this account, when we look in the scripture, we immediately are drawn to the dad. Because I ask myself, how would I feel if I was dad and my kids came to me and I was still alive and they said, we want our inheritance now. <laughs> that would be tough. That'd be tough. Sandra Joe and I, as we get older, we do talk about, well, you know, what, what are we gonna do with the things we have? I've pastored a long, long time, and I have seen my share of folks who've passed away and their kids bring a big dumpster to the house and they just start loading the dumpster. So Sandra Joe and I have talked about the fact we really don't want to do that to our kids. What do we do with what we have? That's part of getting older, talking about those things. But you're not really ready for the kids to come to the house and say, listen, we want you to divide it all up and give it to us now. I don't think we're ready for that. So you think of dad. You think of him in his situation. This prodigal, this wayward son, he had a dad who cared for him. Verses 11 and 12 just remind us how that he was present, he was providing, but the prodigal son really didn't appreciate it. Verse 17 reminds us that this dad was a dad who was an example. Look at verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. What is this boy saying? He's saying, You know what? I remember my dad. My dad was a hard worker, a provider. Even those who worked for him were well cared for. That dad set an example, didn't he? An example that that boy, when he was at the bottom, could look up and remember the example that was set. And you and I, every one of us, as a dad, or somebody who stepped in and tried to help and mentor and care for somebody else, be that, that stepdad or, or that uncle or, or that grandparent who steps in and tries, we should set that kind of an example. So that down the road, no matter what comes down the pike, that example has been set so they can look and say, yes, a good example was set for me. We see the father of this prodigal set that good example. When you look at verse 20, it's interesting how embracing this dad was. Verse 20 says, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. This was, 
This was an embracing, loving, caring dad. And you and I should be too. You know, we live in a crazy day and age. And our, our dads should be the kind of dad who reaches over and gives their boy or their girl a hug. A little embrace, a connection, an understanding that I love you. That's the kind of dad this dad was. We shouldn't be afraid to show that we love our children. Whether it's dad or mom, it shouldn't be that we're so aloof, so disconnected, so into ourselves that we can't draw them in to that very inner part of who we are. That's the kind of dad that prodigal had. When you look at verses 22 and 23, we see that this dad was a dad who celebrated his kids. But the father said in verse 22 to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. He celebrated his kids. Now listen, are kids always worthy of a celebration? Oh, listen, every one of us have had kids who have pushed us to the very edge. But you know what? Where would we be without those boys and girls that we love? You know, we celebrate that they are ours, that God, God gave them to us for our time. And we invested in them. I was talking to a dad here not too long ago. You might be sitting here. I can't remember who it was. And we were talking about our kids who have grown and gone. And you know, you're sad to see them go. But a little neon sign comes up that says, job well done. You know, because they have gone ahead and started their lives. Now, Every young person is different and every situation is different. But I celebrate my kids, even though they live far away. Josh lives all the way down in Washington. I miss very much seeing him. I, I wish they were able to come more often. But that's what I raised him to do, was to be a dad himself and, and to be able to care for his family and to be a a part of society. That's what a dad is supposed to do. So when you look at this, this dad, he celebrates the kids he has. Do they always have a, a great day? Are they always doing wonderful? I, you know, are they always the, the beacon of uh, admiration? Well, no. But you strive to help invest in them, be the best dad or mom you can be. And you celebrate family. And that's what you see in this loving father. But you know, when you read down through this account, one of the things that stands out to you is families are complicated, aren't they? I mean, it would be very easy for us to bring up a whiteboard and I can draw a little stick figure and even that I'm not very good at. I can draw a mom, you know, with longer hair and a skirt. That's the indicator of a mom. And then I could draw dad, no hair, because I can't draw hair and don't have any to really practice with. So I would draw just a round head and just a stick figure. That's the dad. And we'd know the kids. You know how? They'd be shorter. <laughs> and I could draw that family up here. And you and I would see it. But we know not all families look alike. All families are complicated. They're all different. And when you look in this family, this family is complicated. The dad, maybe he has spoiled his boys a bit. I, I don't really understand what would prompt the children to come to the dad while he's still alive and say to him, hey, listen, I want my inheritance now. And as that verse 12 jumped out to me, he gave it to them, both of them. Now, one, we know, stays. And he cares for everything as if nothing has changed. He obeys his dad. He does his work every day. It's amazing. The other one foolishly takes his share and he goes, he squanders it, wastes it, 
and lives an evil life with it until it's gone. Wow. Families are complicated. They're very uniquely different. In this case, there are two brothers. One takes and wastes everything and the other one obeys and manages and admirably does well with his dad. The one who wastes it all, in reality, it's not just his inheritance, he's wasted. He has wasted his personal relationship with his father. He has wasted his social connection in where he grew up and where he lived. He wasted his finances and his dad's finances. Such a wasteful prodigal son. The one who stayed, when you read down to verses 29 and 30, look with me at verses 29 and 30 in our text. It says, and he answering said to his father, lo, which means look, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gave me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. A goat is what he means when he says a kid. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And the dad said to him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It's really interesting. Because this young brother, this brother, whose other brother has squandered his half of the inheritance. This brother, as much as he's been obedient, he's a bit resentful, isn't he? There's a, there's a wave of bitterness that lies within that. Because he has noted that his brother has gone, he has wasted, He's been with the harlots, he has squandered, and he has gone ahead and completely blown his side of the inheritance. And he says to, to his dad, I have stayed here. I have obeyed you. I have done what you have asked me to do. And you have never even so much as given one goat in celebration for me. As much as he is a good boy, there's a lot of underlying issues there, aren't there? Families are complicated. There is no perfect son. There is no perfect daughter. There is no perfect mom. There is no perfect dad. We all have our issues, our complications, our little things that we could improve and work on. God has given us such an incredible glimpse into this household, into this family. And it reminds us, it's very much like the church family. We're all so different and all so unique. But we all have our issues. Every one of us. You might think to yourself, oh no man, I've arrived. I, I'm, I'm hitting 10. I don't know. I don't think so. I think every single one of us in this room, and the scriptures teach us, if we say that we do not sin, then we lie. We call God a liar. Because God says we are all sinners. Now we may be sinners saved by grace. And our sin may be washed by the blood of the Lamb. But there's a reason why he tells us to confess our sin daily and that he is faithful and just to forgive us. Because we all struggle. Maybe not as far as the prodigal son. But maybe there are those things that are kind of hidden like the other son. Deep within. So we see that when Jesus brings forth this parable, he reminds us, we all need to work on our relationship. We all need to work on our family. Between us and our God and us and our church and us in our home, we all need to understand. Families are complicated. But when we come down to the last part of what I had jotted down this week in my notes, renewal is wonderful. 
Renewal is wonderful. And that's what Jesus was trying to bring across to these people. Is to understand that when they reconnect with God, or when you reconnect in your family and, and work on your issues and overcome things, those renewals, those reconnections are wonderful. When you come down here, you see for sure a struggling soul in the uh, prodigal son. He has gone way too far. He's gone so far that he has completely wasted all that his dad had given him. He has wasted himself in that he is now feeding the swine and living off of the husks that he feeds the swine. He is at the bottom of the bottom. But you can look up. You can look up. And that's what he does. He looks up. He remembers the Father. And in your life, and in my life, if we're not careful, it's not hard to fall from where we are to the bottom. It's not hard to have happen. It happens fast. If you've ever gone hiking when it's kind of raining and you come to a little muddy trail area, it's pretty amazing how fast you can go from upright to down when you lose your footing. It happens fast. Well, so also spiritually. If we're not careful, listen, the devil is always waiting for an opportunity to push us down. And the, and the fall is hard. Whether it's a Peter standing out there denying Christ three times, or a doubting Thomas who says, well, I'm not going to believe till I can see it. Every one of us, we walk a precarious walk every day. And we need to always remember that we have a heavenly father who's just waiting and watching for us to return. That's what we see when we come down to verse 20, where it says that this prodigal son, he arose, he came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. I've always found that to be such an interesting point. Because this dad's going about his life but while he's going out about his life, he's got his eye on the horizon. He's watching for that son to come home. He's watching. He's waiting. He's hoping. He's praying. And some of you, you have prodigals. You have in your families a boy or a girl who's walked away from the things of the Lord. And you pray for them on Wednesday night. Maybe you pray for them every morning. Maybe every night when you pillow your head, you're looking over the horizon and you're asking God, please bring that young one home. That they might come to know you and walk with you and raise my grandbabies to know and walk with you. You're looking over the horizon just like this dad was doing. Because that dad knows that renewal is wonderful. Reconnecting is wonderful. And he has the highest hope. When we look at verse 17, the very first part of it, it says, when the prodigal came to himself. You see, that's part of our prayer. Is that those who have fallen by the wayside would just come to themselves. They'd wake up and understand that by walking away from the Lord, by falling by the wayside, they have given up so much. But it's almost like they're deluded or blinded. But this prodigal son said, he came to himself. The light came on. He said, what am I doing? And in each of our spiritual lives, I challenge us. No matter, It doesn't matter whether you're the pastor or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher. It doesn't matter what your role is in the church. Or you're just a faithful, faithful person. Praying member, every one of us needs to do that check. Do I need to see things as they really are? Because sometimes we self-delude ourselves. I'm okay, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, this prodigal son at first, I'm sure he's thinking to himself, well, there's a famine in the land, everybody's struggling. Man, I got a job feeding the pigs. 
then he gets out there and he's feeding the swine. And I don't know about you, we raised pigs when I was a kid. Pig farming is its own kind of thing. And you know, and he thinks to himself, well, you know, I've got some, I've got some husk I can eat. Man, you've come a long ways down when you're eating corn husk. But sometimes you don't see how far you've come. And that's what sin does to us. Sin takes us inch by inch by inch by inch by inch. And we just, it's kind of like the old saying of, you know, you can't throw a frog in a bucket of boiling water, it'll jump out. But if you, if you put him in a nice cool can of water and then turn the burner on, man, you can cook that frog and it'll just stay right there. So they say, I've never tried. <laughs> but that's what sin does to us. And so when you look in here, you see this boy, he comes to a place of awakening. And every one of us needs to do that revival check. That looking in the spiritual mirror. That double take. Where we say, am I okay? Or have I come way too far? As we come down into verse 20. It says to us, and he arose. And he came to his father. That's that is what Jesus is trying to teach these people. Is that they have to take a step. They have to make a decision. They've, they've got to decide to move forward. It's not enough to just see it. The book of James tells us there are those who look in the mirror and they just walk away and they do nothing about it. Well, sometimes you need to take care of some things when you look in the mirror, don't you? You know, I get up in the morning, I look in the mirror and I say... It's a good hair day. I'm okay there. But I might need to go ahead and, and trim some places on my beard or something. Let's, let's look and see. Yeah. Should probably get yesterday's lunch out of my teeth. Yeah. That's just a good thing to do every day, isn't it? But it would be a disgusting thing to look in the mirror and say, Wow, look at that. What a mess. Just moving on. Well, here Jesus is teaching these people spiritually. We have to look in the mirror spiritually just like the prodigal son. It's not enough to say, what, what have I done? That's, it's not enough to just roll over and die. You have to get up and go. And so he's trying to teach them. There's a heavenly father who's watching on the horizon, waiting for us to come, that we might have eternal life in him. And he beckons to us through his sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ. Come, come unto me, all you that are weary, and I'll give you rest. Come, come unto me and take my yoke, for it is light, it is easy. Come. The prodigal gets up. And he goes. And we find, just as we talked about when we were talking about the character of the father, that this father is absolutely welcoming, embracing, celebrating, and thrilled. The brother, not so much. But you know, there's always people around who are critics. There's, there's always people who aren't happy for you to be happy. You do understand that, right? I mean... There are people who are not happy when you're happy. And you and I, we have to shrug that off. We have to say, oh, well, I, I, I'm sorry you can't be happy, but I'm going to be happy. My heavenly father has welcomed me home. I have a heavenly home. My, my savior has gone to prepare a place for me. And one day he's going to bring me unto himself. And that day will eventually come. And thank the Lord I can rest in that and have peace. And if you're not happy for me, I'm sorry for you, but I, I'm going to keep on keeping on. The Christian who says, oh, oh, my neighbor doesn't like that I'm a Christian. My coworker doesn't like that I'm a Christian. My spouse doesn't like that I'm a Christian. My kids or my parents are, oh, I just need to give it up. Oh, what a sad, sad thing to be the prodigal. And not to go back, not to connect, 
not to be a part of the Heavenly Father's life. What a loss. What a loss to live the rest of your life eating just the husk. So when we look at this text, we are reminded, yes, we have an eternal loving Father. And yes, families are complicated. But renewal is always wonderful. We take, we take what life tosses towards us. And every one of our lives is different. You know, this boy who chose to stay and work for his dad, that was his choice. And I had not realized that. It just hadn't connected with me before that they both had gotten their inheritance. He could have gone and he could have taken it and built his own place. Admirably, he stayed and worked with dad. But that was his choice, wasn't it? Why be bitter and angry? It was his choice. We each take the life that's given us. Be wise. Be wise with the life you've been given. That each of us might honor the Lord, our Heavenly Father, who loves us and cherishes us so much. Let's have a word of prayer. Father in Heaven, as we come to the end of our service this morning, Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us to take the parable that Christ has given us and to personalize it. It's in your book for a reason. For each of us to read it, to understand it, to apply it. Help us today to do a little inventory. How far have we let sin take us? Help us as parents to look at the admirable Father and embrace the positive traits. Help us as the brother of the prodigal. Help us to be sure we have not let our choices make us bitter. Most of all, Lord, help us to honor you. Thank you for the life we've been given. Thank you for the heavenly home you offer us. Thank you for the provision that you provide. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Brother John is going to, that is my dismissal prayer. Brother John is going to sing for us a chorus as we're dismissed. My goal for you today is for you to take this parable home with you. Think about it. Ponder it. Consider it. Apply it. We have heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land. Climb the steeps and cross the waves. Onward tis our Lord's command. Jesus saves, Jesus saves.